bless you. You may be seated. Thank you all. Amen. Hey, at least we have fun on Wednesday night. So I come most of the time. It's, um, it's a thrill to be here tonight with you. tonight about a fight. We are in a fight. To fight the good fight. When you re- when you got saved, when you when you were saved, whether you know it or not, you entered into a battle. You entered into a fight. And I started I used to like boxing and used to like to watch them fight. Sting like a bee. Y'all remember when he used to say that? Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And I began to think of some boxers that I knew or that I saw in my, when I was young. One, uh, my favorite boxer of all time was Joe Lewis. They called him the Brown Bobber. He happened to be of color, and uh, his name was Joe Lewis. He's the great, one of the greatest boxers, in my opinion, probably the greatest boxer of all time. saw this guy, but I saw movies of him, uh, Jack Dempsey, some of you heard of him, and uh, Rocky Marciano, great boxers. You'll hear guys like this in the morning. And uh, Jersey Joe Walcott, he's the one knocked Joe Lewis out. And then the next guy, Rocky Marciano, knocked him out. And uh, I know a little bit about boxing like that. And then we had, of course, uh, Smoking Joe Fraser. George Foreman, I don't know, he, he's been rich selling those uh, things you cook on. But he was smart. All of his sons, his name George, isn't that funny? I think he's got eight, eight sons and all of them named George. George Foreman. And then, uh, but there's one guy that st- stood out to me among all of them. And, and besides Joe Lewis, in my opinion, he probably was the, one of the greatest boxers of all time. And his name was Archie Moore. And Archie Moore, one time was the only man 
that I know of, I could be wrong, who held the heavyweight boxing champion of the world, the light heavyweight, the middleweight heavy boxing champion of the world, and the light heavyweight championship of the world. He held three belts at one time. Archie Moore was one of the greatest boxers that ever entered into the ring. You say, what are you talking about these boxers for? Well, I just want to tell you a little bit about boxing, you know. I like that a little bit. But we are, when you become a Christian, you get in the ring. Now, I'm sure when these guys got in the ring, they were prepared to box, to fight. And they wanted to win. When I entered into the ring, I wanted to be a winner. When I started serving the Lord, I wanted to be on the winning team. But there is a fight that we have to fight. If you get in the ring and you think you're going to fight this battle all by yourself and win it, you are badly mistaken. Because, pardon the expression, the enemy is going to knock knots all over your head and laugh at you. But I want to show us a way tonight that God can help us to be what we ought to be. In the book of Ephesians, it tells us how we can be ready to get into the ring. Now, I'm not going to go in. I don't have time to go into everything about these, and that's not what this is about tonight, but I want to read it to you. Here's how you prepare to fight the devil. Now, I am going to get ahead of my notes over here. That's not unusual for you to I want to point out to you that the devil, Lucifer, Satan, is un, he is not um, omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's one individual. God is omnipresent. He is, the devil is not omnipotent either. He does not know everything. If you think he does, and you think he's everywhere, you're badly mistaken. He was one individual that got in a fight in heaven. And he lost the battle up there. And we lost the battle. You can go and read it for yourself. It says one-third of the angels of heaven fell with him, most likely, to this earth. And they, they are demonic, demonic spirits, demonic angels, and they are... That's what we fight. The devil, in my opinion, resides in Washington, D.C. most of the time. You say, well, who is it that, that, that harms me all the time? It's the little ilts, the, the, the demons that torture you, not him. He don't fool with you. He gets the credit for it, but he, he sends out all of his battle all of his soldiers, and they come to try to take us. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 says, Not with the eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters... Do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatenings, knowing that the master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. Everybody says strong. 
be strong in the Lord and in the power. Everybody say power. In the power of His might, not our might. Be strong in the power of His might. How? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done so, you will stand. Folk, we can stand in the ring, we can stand toe-to-toe, just like smoking Joe Fraser did with Muhammad Ali for 15 rounds they went at it. We can stand toe-to-toe with the enemy, but we cannot do it on our own. We must have the Lord on our side and in our lives to be able to stand against the wells of this world. We're not battling certain things. I'm going to cover that in a minute. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You need to go home and read this. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all things, the shield of faith, taking the shield of faith, wherein you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you want to stay in the ring and you want to live for the Lord, you must stay in the Word of the Lord. I must stay in the Word of the Lord. The reason people quit coming to church is because they don't stay in the Word of the Lord and they don't put on the armor of God and they're in the ring and they're like pants. Get in a fight. You come out with some bruises. 
and I'll get you. Never looked at the box for about two days later. Then he made one match, but he looked like he got in a fight with a tiger or some sort. Listen, we need to realize that we who are in the ring with, and that he wants to have the battle, he wants to win over your mind. He wants to take control of your mind. He wants to control your thoughts, your thinking. Soul, your spirituality. He wants to take you down with everything he can. And he does not fight fair. I've had so many people tell me, you know, life's not fair. You just now finding that out? And I found that out as a little boy. Life's never fair. It's not ever going to be fair. And but he wants to take us down. And you say, because he doesn't fight fair. You know, when you're in a boxing match, you have a referee. And you throw a low blow, that would take points away. And I remember the last one I watched with Evander Holyfield, when, what's his name, bit his ear off. You remember that? Y'all remember that? You know, you remember, don't, y'all not so holy that y'all don't know about box. Man, I went next door and I watched that sucker. I couldn't believe it. He bit his ear off. I said, oh, my God, he bit his ear off. He did. He bit his ear off. I'm thinking, oh, I don't think that's quite fair. <laughs> and the referee didn't either. But, you know, when you're fighting the devil, there's not a referee there for him to play fairly with you. But in a sense, there is a referee there. And that's the Holy Spirit. He is always there on our side. And he said, I'll never let him put too much upon you that you can't bear it. And when there's ever temptation comes your way, I will always, always, always make a way of escape for you. For God tempts no man men are drawn away of their own lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. I said, man, I wish I hadn't come tonight. I'm just telling you in Scripture, the lust of the flesh. He said, I've never been tempted like that. I've got to your life. Everyone has one. Everyone has been tempted. But God didn't tempt you. Your lust tempted you. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. I remember Pastor Bill, I laughed. I didn't laugh out loud. But I was laughing that crazy. It's been like, I don't know. I'm one of these guys, if you preach a sermon, if you preached it 20 years ago and I heard you preach it, I'll know what you preached it. Sunday morning, he's talking about, you know, you men, you need to keep your eyes on your own wife. I remember that. He said that. He said, because you see this woman walking down the street with, with a 
messing around with Ouija boards and all this bunch of things that just entices you on out there to do other things. Folk, it's real. And we're in a real battle today as never before with a lot of these things. Amen? All right. So I don't want Wayne did. I want, I want you to turn over to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. Say praise the Lord. Second right. Kings chapter six. The prophet had, in these verses, the prophet had warned Israel of what the Samaritans were going to do with them, or the other, or the enemy was going to do to them, to destroy them. So God told them, the prophet, his plan, the plans of the enemy. And when they went out, the prophet there, they had sent out 50,000, is what the estimate They sent out this Syrian army, sent out about 50,000 soldiers to surround Elisha to capture him. Think of that, 50,000. And this young man, I want to read it over here, I think it's in about verse 15. And he talked about being afraid. If you, what, what if you were surrounded by 50,000 soldiers that was coming to get you? You think there's nobody, nobody here except me and this boy and a few others. That's all. There's hardly anyone here. Here's the key. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host can pass the city, both with forces and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, they've got us surrounded. They have 50,000 people out there. And Elijah looked at him and answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains, the mountain was full of, of horses and chariots afar around Elijah and this young man. God already had the enemy defeated, and they didn't think they had a chance. When you don't think you have a chance and he's boxed you in and put you in the corner, don't ever give up. Just start punching your way out, because God has already made a way of escape. God already had thousands of them lined up, and he used them as he destroyed that enemy, as you read on in the camp. This is why Muhammad Ali was so good. They couldn't catch him. He didn't stand there toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe. He floated around, he says, you know, I, I, I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. I float like a butterfly and I sting like a bee. I float like a butterfly and I sting like a bee. And he'd laugh at him. He 
because uh, they'd come at him, but they couldn't catch him. Uh, he was so quick on his feet, bouncing around. How come? Because he didn't want the enemy to get him in a corner. Because every time they got Muhammad Ali in a corner, they like to beat him to death. That's why he's the way he is today. Spoken Joe Fraser liked to beat him to death. And he still won. Why? Because he ended up getting in the corner. As long as he was, wasn't in the corner, you couldn't bother him. But the moment you got Muhammad Ali in the corner, they beat him. And that's why his brain is the way it is today. That's the way the enemy wants to do us. He wants to get us in a corner, and he wants to beat us to death. He wants to punch you and punch you and punch you and punch you. And that's not enough. He wants to punch us more and more and more. And I look and I think of all the things that's going on. Man, I could be really negative tonight. Just watch one of the debates, and you'll see all kinds of everything negative. Read the paper. Look at the television. People doing things unimaginable. But I guess maybe they've always done this stuff and just didn't know. Today you do something, you know about it in 10 seconds. It used to be, you know, about two or three days. But God is on our side. God is on our side. And his eyes were open. And I thought, well, he opened his physical eyes, but I thought, Lord, open my spiritual eyes of faith. I can't see what's happening. I don't know what's coming. Open my eyes that I might see. Do you know God will open our eyes if you ask Him? We quote the scripture, I have not seen, you have not heard, Neither has it been to the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him and obey him and call according to his commandments. But the next scripture says, But God hath revealed it unto his people. We do not have to walk around in blindness. Read the next verse when we go home. If you don't believe that, just read the next verse. It says, but God has revealed it to his people. We don't have to walk in darkness and blindness. Open our spiritual eyes to see. Pastors, I know from being a pastor, pastors have spiritual eyes. He sees people in these pews you don't see. He sees miracles happen that you can't see. He sees doors opening that you can't see. How come? Because he's looking through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of circumstance. If you look through the eyes of circumstance, you'll give up and you'll quit. And that's what happened to those people that they don't come anymore. They looked at the circumstance and they said, it's not worth it. I'm giving up. I'm going back to what I used to be. And the Bible likens that as like a dog going back to its vomit. Now that's pretty plain English, isn't it? Huh? What, what are you going back to? You want to go back to the sorry stuff you've done before? 
I don't. saying says if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle victory victory shall be mine no word that's all victory victory shall be mine victory victory shall be mine if I hold my peace let the Lord fight my battle shall be mine if I hold my peace let the Lord fight my battle victory victory shall be mine it be yours because every time every time that I try Judges chapter 6. You can read that there. And then you get to chapter 7. He says to him, Get in. I want you to go fight the battle. Gather everybody together. Lord, we're going to go to battle. We're going to go to battle and we're going to win. I know we are because I know what Joshua did, how the walls fell down. I know everything that happened. And now, now, I'm going to, I know God's going to use me in a wonderful way. Y'all ever felt that way? Oh, I know God's going to use me in a wonderful way. Hallelujah, praise God. And the Lord says, uh, I want you to do something first. And he says to him, I want you to tell everybody that's afraid and don't have any faith. That's what he said. Tell them to go home. Get their stuff at home. What? So Gideon steps up. The Lord says, everybody, he probably thought two or three people. He says, everybody that's fearful, go home. He starts looking around. Oh, Lord, he never heard just clinking all his life of swords being pulled up and everything going. He looks around, and the Bible says that 22,000 of them left. Wow. I think that left him around 10,000. Thinking, man, my army, <laughs> it just, just it disappeared. Oh, I'm afraid. He said, Get him out. 
Gideon said, when you hear me blow the trumpet, I want you to blow the trumpet. And I want all 300 of you to break your pitcher. And I want all of those lamps that are now lit with fire and flames, I want you to take them out. things to do. And he'll put you in places you didn't think you would ever go to, to witness to people. He'll, he'll put people in your path where he does all types of things. I'm going to wrap this up. Right. But anyhow, so what do they do? 300 of them blast on the trumpets, break the pitchers, hold up the light, and shout to the Lord, you know, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon says that the enemy became so confused they thought they were surrounded by thousands and thousands of men. They began to fight with swords, come out of the tents, fighting and everything. They killed one another. And God went down. And folks, we're in a fight. But God has prepared us. That's why you need to read Ephesians. God has prepared us. Closing this scripture, this final scripture, in 2 Timothy 4 and 7. Paul said, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, I have what? I have, no, he had He said, I have fought the good Oh, yeah.